Yes, Father God, we see it. It's here. So, Lord, we praise you and thank you, Lord, that your will be done this day in our lives, in our lives, Lord God, right here, this very day, this moment, these minutes that you've given us. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Lord, we long for your kingdom. We look for your kingdom. We wait for your kingdom. We watch for your kingdom to come, Lord God, and we thank you for giving us um, the diligence, the, the strength by the power of your Holy Spirit, to prevail, to persist, to not grow weary in well-doing. Thank you, Jesus. You did not fail. You did not give up. You did not leave your um, your post. You, stu- you, you, you stood the test. You despised the shame, and you, um, you know, brought forth victory, healing, and salvation for whosoever will. And that is the gr- most generous thing that you could ever do, give your life that we might live. And the most ridiculous thing we could ever do is reject it, Father. So we ask that the people who are listening today and those who might join later and those who are still not knowing anything about what's going on will begin to hear and see and give heed to what is going on out there, what what is going on for the return of Jesus Christ draws nigh. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us power, strength, wisdom, counsel, and the ability. You said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Whoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven them. Whoever sins you retain, they're retained. Love your enemies. So, Lord God, give us grace to love our enemies, to see past them, and to recognize spiritually what's really going on in this war. I thank you for the divine favor and promise and protection that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no words said, no deeds done, no actions taken, no symbolic dedications, no curses, nothing sent or meant to hurt or harm us, our families, those who work for us, pray for us, love us, those who've come to us for help, that nothing, Lord God, that Satan has proposed and planned and plotted against us will prevail because of your faithfulness, Lord God, to deliver your children out of the grip of the terrible one, Father. So I thank you now for wisdom. I pray that I would speak uh, concisely as the oracles of God, as we give wisdom and counsel in these very critical days, Father. We ask for Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the power of your revelation. Amen. Well, here we are. Here we are. Yesterday, no, Sunday night, we saw the splendid, if you saw it, uh, blood moon, the lunar eclipse, the super moon, the blue moon, um, all in the same event. And, you know, you, you have to wonder, okay, did you all see that or did you miss that? Um, what is going on? What is going on here with, is the moon trying to tell us something? Is God trying to tell us something? Well, I found in Joel, you might want to check it out later today or sometime soon, chapter two, I, I really believe we're getting prepared, the constellations, the stars, the moon, the sun, the, the, the sun is having its some um, explosions and, and eruptions and everything is travailing, everything, the wind, the weather, the rain, um, it's all travail, groaning for the return of Jesus Christ. And I believe that's part of what the message is. So if you look for a second, Joel, um, chapter 2, verse 28 and, through, and following, he says, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. 
Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. For in Mount Zion and on Jerusalem and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. So we're looking here at some things that are about to happen, some that things that are happening, and the warnings that go with them. He's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. There has been such a um, a lack of the revelation of Jesus Christ for the most part in the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 50, 100 years, whatever, that people just have forgotten about God completely. They just, he's not even in their thoughts. He's not in their equations. I'm not cursed. I'm not saying he's not in no one's thoughts, but I'm, the general population has been so deceived and so distracted. And so their heads have been so filled with noise and clutter and clatter and, you know, trauma and terror and dread. And all they want to do is, eat a piece of pie and escape. They just don't want to do it. They just don't want to be there. They don't want to play, uh, uh, be prepared. But I'm going to tell you that God, nonetheless, is going to do what he said. He is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh, the children, the young ones, the teenagers, the sons and daughters, the old men, the young men, the maidservants, everybody, manservants, everybody is going to get a revelation of Jesus Christ somehow. Because it wouldn't be fair if God would just snatch us all away, or some of us, or end all of this without giving us at least a final warning. And so that warning is coming in, in this case, and it's kind of interesting, uh, through the moon, through the, the stars, this, the, here we go. I mean, it was a beautiful moon. It, it showed, it, it was talking to us, it's saying something. And we see here that he said that the, the sun will turn, return to darkness and the moon to blood before that great and dreadful or terrible day of the Lord. So a lot of people are trying to figure out when the Lord is coming and trying to you know, gauge their lives accordingly, maybe get some heads up on it or whatever. But the truth is, nobody really knows. And the, the, the other part of that truth is, it's not even for us to spend all our time trying to figure that out. We need to spend our time really paying attention to how we've been living and what we believe and recognizing that we are going to have to, at some point in time, give an account to the Lord for what we've done and for how we've treated one another. And I think as I was reading a couple of days ago in Romans chapter 13, it talks about um, uh, that debt of love, uh, how to behave with one another, how to be kind. Uh, in, in Romans 12, it says, um, that, but let love be without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Not trying, you know, not trying to get ahead of them or screw them out of their inheritance or, or give them grief in their life that's not necessary. Um, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. This is what you want to be doing as we're coming into the final laps of this race. You want to be found being faithful to God, serving the Lord, and it's time. You know, you've maybe put off some things that you thought you couldn't do, but by the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do them one minute, one step at a time. 
but we don't want to lag in diligence. We, we don't want to let up on the reins. We don't want to slow down as we're heading to the finish line. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You know, the more you serve the Lord and the more diligent you are and the more focused you are in what God is doing and saying, the faster the time goes. And the faster the time goes, the sooner the Lord will return. So continuing Romans 12, 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. There's a lot of people who are suffering great tribulation in their lives right now. It seems like the enemy has just pulled out the stops completely on trying to torment, uh, discourage, destroy uh, the people of God, especially. So we need to be patient like Job, patient knowing that God is permitting things, but God is not using, you know, he doesn't want to destroy us with those things. He wants us to trust him, continue to look to him, and he will deliver us because he has promised he is faithful to complete the work he's begun in us. He isn't here to destroy us like so many teach. He is here to prove himself lovely and faithful in the midst of our fiery trials. And so that's what we want to understand. So we're going to, and also steadfast in prayer, continuing steadfastly in prayer, um, that doesn't mean you have to kneel down all the time on your knees. It means you pray as you go. You pray in tongues. You speak to God. You sing songs. You whisper, um, you know, conversations with the Lord. That's what praying is. It's it's con- in that constant place of, Paul says, I pray without ceasing. So it's in that constant place of just uh, being aware of God, you know, not trying to shut him out, not trying to turn up the music, not trying to distract yourself, but just quieting yourself, simplifying your life and being aware of the presence of God in every moment and every decision. And his spirit will speak to you and he will help you. He will show you what to do and how to do it and what order to do it in. Um, it's fun because, you know, God has a plan and you sometimes don't. And so if we listen to the Lord, we're going to get that plan. Um, he said, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality that, you know, God wants us to enjoy one another, love one another and be together as a family, even uh, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together and so much more as, he, as we see the day approaching. We are to be a comfort to one another. We're to be an encouragement to one another. We're the strength. We give courage, strength, support, prayer, um, words of kindness to encourage and strengthen each other. Um, bless those who persecute you and do not curse. So in other words, the enemy is going to try to bring curses on us. And a lot of us, have been, you know, stepped into or it's come upon us, these spirits of witchcraft that try to bring um, snares and difficulties in your life that make it almost impossible to know how to get out of it, except to um, seek the Lord and ask God to give you grace to forgive the people who are practicing the witchcraft or trying to entangle you or ensnare you or falsely accuse you or try to take your job away or try to turn your children against you. It's like, okay, you want to do that? You're going to have to give an account of that. But I can pray for you because I am not going to judge you on this practicing of witchcraft or being or putting curses. I will bless you. How did, what does that mean? I will bless you by asking God to deliver you and to judge the enemy who's destroying you and using you to destroy me. So we want to get to the root of, the th- of all these injustices cr- and crimes and persecutions. And the only way to do that, I promise you, the only way to, to get even is to let God judge it. And he will bring justice and truth to pass and, and bring righteousness to, to, to and put it back in place. 
So you forgive them. That means you release these persons from your judgment. You know, you're mad at them. They did this. They did that. You have a right. You want to get even. You want to get back what was yours. You want to make this thing just and fair. You know, that's not your job. Your job is to bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And so this is a, a, a huge stumbling block that a lot of people, um, that's where they trip up on is the injustices that are committed against them. And they don't know how to maintain a, a meek and quiet spirit in the midst of this onslaught of accusations and injustice. And this is one of the bigger trials. To try to stay peaceful, calm, and know and continue to love God and know that you're loved in the midst of all kinds of horrific demonic assaults against your life. And we've seen a variety of those things, even much more even so as the day of his return draws near. He says, um, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's, that's another part of what we're doing to prepare and to be ready is to be empathetic, be sympathetic, be, be compassionate, uh, feel the feelings of those who hurt, be there with, for them, um, lift them up in prayer, you know, be hospitable, encourage them, surround them with hope and, and kindness and, and prayer, obviously. Um, be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. In other words, it's not time now to build your empire anymore. It's not time to accumulate your stuff. It's not time to collect things. It's time to give things away. There's a time for everything. And now is the time to get ready for the return of Jesus Christ, which could be very eminent and maybe not. We don't know. But nonetheless, you're going to have to give an account of every moment, every idle word. So why don't you just get it in your mind that you're going to live the life that God has given you for the glory of God and in obedience to him? It says, um, do not be wise in your own opinions. Oh my goodness, we all have opinions, don't we? Of every sort. But you know, people say, well, what, what do you think? What's your opinion? I'll say to them, no, it doesn't matter what my opinion is. It matters what the will of the Lord is. And, you know, you don't need to use my opinion you, to solve your issue. You need to go to the Lord and get what he wants for you. So opinions, just, they're not sacred, but we make them idols sometimes. My opinion, we don't budge. I've got to be right. I am right. You're wrong. It's just the bitterness and the anger and the hatred out there for people who are trying to just, you know, defend themselves, defend their opinions. It is not worth it. It's not worth it because what's going to end up in the end is Satan's going to judge you for judging them. Because the Bible says, judge not, lest you be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you'll be judged. And you think that's God judging you and getting, no, it's not. It's the devil taking every opportunity he can to find a fault with you so he can justify bringing you to court, getting all his case built up against you and put his claims before God. So I have a right to do this and this and this because she doesn't listen to you. She listens to me. And, 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 and you know what God's supposed to do? The devil's telling, well, he's telling it like it is. If you're not obeying and abiding by God's word, you're, then you're doing the opposite and you're abiding by the enemy. So Satan then has a right to bring upon you whatever he wants. And what he does is he, because he hates us, he lures you, baits you into a trap and then he snaps the trap and tries to cut off your head. So the only way you can get out of that is repent, have, have ask God to have mercy on you. And do what the Bible says. It's not that hard. I mean, you're going to live one life. Live it the right way so that you won't have something to be ashamed of in the end. And God, you won't hear God say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Because you know what? There are a lot of workers of iniquity out there right now. It's shocking. You know, it says in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, God is going to bring to light the hidden works of darkness. 
Well, I can tell you in the last two and a half, three years, the hidden works of darkness are all up there on the surface. Everybody knows, everybody sees, and now it's time to choose. Which God are you going to serve? The immediate temporal Satan God of this world or the God of eternity, who is the, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings? It's your choice. You get to make that choice. You, you do have a choice. You can't say, I didn't have a choice. They forced me. No, no, no. It doesn't matter what, you know, there's many, many people who have been, died living and serving God because they did have a choice. Their choice was to not cave into the devil. So if you're just buying into lies and believing those things that they're going to help you somehow, don't, don't be tricked. Satan has no intention of blessing you any longer than he has to, to get you to do what he wants. He bribes, he bullies, and he keeps people sleeping. And right now, as everybody's freaking out about where's the food going to come from, they're trying to starve us, they're depopulating, they're trying to kill us. Hey, they have, they being the devil and his, his henchmen, they have been trying to kill all of us since we got here. They hate us because we carry the image of God. So why are you on the side that's trying to kill you and thinking you're going to escape somehow because you're exclusive and you're exempt from the judgments of both God and Satan? You're not exempt. It's time to get smart and, and submit to God, humble yourself. Uh, he says, if, and if possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, here's, the, here's your, your part of it. If your enemy hungers, feed him. Be nice to him. Be sensitive. Remember that he is not your real enemy because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. So the real enemy is the one who's motivating him, the one who's controlling him, the one who's held him hostage, the one who's you know, manipulating his life through fear. It says, um, is po- if, as much as possible, as much as depends on you, you, you have a part in this too. Choose to live peaceably with all men. Live peaceably. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Rather, give place wrath. Let it be. Even Jesus and John, the Baptist, John, Jesus was going to get baptized. And John says, no, no, no. You know, it's, it's not right. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said to him, permit it to be so for now. So permitting the injustices for now, turn the other cheek, go the second mile, all of that stuff love your enemies, all of the, forgive your enemies. All this stuff is very, very important to determine your final end. Yes, we're saved by the blood of Jesus. And and if you've accepted that, but if you really have accepted the blood of Jesus and submitted and surrendered to that awesome gift, then why are you acting like, like you haven't? Why are you acting like the world? Give it up. It's not worth it. Surrender to God love him, and read the word too, because it's very encouraging. Therefore, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. You know, maybe, maybe he'll turn his, change his mind. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by, with good. Most people are act, acting evil and mean and vicious because they don't know love. They've never, they've never felt love. They don't, they don't trust. They've been set up. They've been conditioned. They've been traumatized. They don't know what love is. They, they, they know what survival is, but they don't believe that you can love someone and survive because then they'll just take advantage of you. That's kind of the way the devil puts it to you. But anyway, in chapter 13 of Romans, he says in verse 4, going on, no, oh, 
owe no one anything except to love one another. So they're recommending here very highly, if not indeed declaring, that we have a debt here that keeps on needing to be paid. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. So a lot of times, you know, we're still having this long-term, long-standing debate about the law, the law, the law. You know, Jesus had that fight, that constant conversation with the Sadducees, the Pharisees, you know, that, you know, he was breaking the law. He said, I've come to fulfill the law. He fulfilled the um, requirements of the law, which required that the soul that sin shall die. So he did that. He died for the sins of mankind. And in that dying, he also gave us opportunity to um, be grafted into him and to live. And so, um, so the law is now fulfilled. It's all kind of, here, here it says it right here, verse nine. For the, for the commandments, here's the original, you know, commandments we think about in the 10 commandments. Um, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. Notice it doesn't say kill. It says murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness or tell lies about people, set them up, frame them to get them in trouble. You shall not covet that means you don't have you don't get to crave and uh, covet and want their things, and if there's any other commandment, all are are all they're all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So all of the commandments, you know, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, are all summed up in love your neighbor. If you're doing the bottom one, you must have done the top ones too. So first of all, we love God. <clears throat> and because we love God, we love his children. We, um, why is it so hard to obey? Why is rebellion such, so much more attractive to people? It's just ridiculous. Who in there wants to rebel? You're created by God to love. You're recreated by God to live uh, in goodness and righteousness and justice and truth. Why, why have we swapped out the goodness of God and the love for the truth and the love for holiness? <laughs> have we swapped that out for rebellion and self-righteousness and opinions and I'll take care of myself and anger and hatred. Does that make you a happier person? Does that make you feel great and better about yourself because you're, you're, you're defending yourself? It's, it's, it's die to all of that and let the Lord's Holy Spirit live in us and, and live in you. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love, listen to verse 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling or the fulfillment of the law. So love fulfills the law. How many people have been defrauded of love in their childhoods, in their, what's rightfully theirs, in their life? I mean, how many have been stripped of their lives even in the womb? How many have been stripped of their lives in their childhood because their parents are, uh, you know, hooked up, drug up on drugs and demonic garbage and caught in snares and they don't know how to raise their own children? Um, uh, do this and, and do this knowing the time is now. Listen to this, verse 11. And do this. Do what? Love. Do no harm. All, you know, um, love one another. Why? Because, he says, knowing the time. Do you know what time it is? Knowing the time. That now it is high time to wake out of sleep. This is really the bottom line. The trumpet is about to sound. And you don't want to be awakened by the tr sound of the trumpet and be caught off guard and say, what, what, what is, what, what's, what's going on? What's going on? You know, I remember when the Twin Towers were bombed. <clears throat> Our neighbors came over that night rushing across the street and said, oh, 
is this the end? What what's going on? Because they knew we were pastors and they weren't saved. What 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 is this? You know, is this the end? It's like trauma, trauma. You know, is is it time for us to you know change sides or you know make our commitment to Jesus or whatever? Um, fortunately, they both got saved and they're both already in heaven. So praise God for that. But what time is it? It's time to wake up. Please, please don't be in some pseudo stupor or pseudo sleep or virtual world where you have no clue. And on the other side of that, maybe you have a clue and you're not saying a word. You're not making a peep. You're not you're sounding the alarm in any way to help anyone else figure this out. Those of you who know what's going on need to sound the alarm by speaking, not in a critical way, not in a frightening way, but in an assuring way, just allowing people to know that the Lord's coming is soon. Um, it's, it's time to wake up. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And that is the truth. Every day you get up, every day you go to bed, Jesus is one day closer to coming back. And you know, people say, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard that forever and a day. You've probably heard it through a Lutheran lens or a Catholic lens or a Pentecostal lens or some stupid, you know, a, congr- a conglomeration of, of re- religious lenses. Get back into the word of God and repent if you haven't. Um, that means change your mind. And come back to the Lord. Because you know what? If you're, You may not have time. If, if this would be nuked out, we're, you won't have time to change your mind or make repent, uh, repent or make amends. Now, now is the time. Live your life to the fullest with joy and peace and praise and blessing and thanksgiving. Don't forget about thanksgiving and praise. You know, there's a lot to be thankful for. There's a lot we can grumble about. But when you grumble, when you murmur, when you complain, you are actually giving your words, your words of death and life. There's death and life in the power of your words. You're giving those words over to the enemy to shoot back at you as bullets and arrows. Oh, it's never going to work out. Oh, I don't know. This is not fair. You know, there's not going to be enough of this. No, I, I, I. Mumbling, groaning, and complaining. If you have to mumble, murmur, groan, and complain, then just shut your mouth. At least you're not giving bullets to the devil at that point. But if you praise God, you thank him, you know, meditate, you know, look at how he's already, he's kept us. We, we could all be dead right now for all the things that Satan's trying to throw at us, but we're not dead only because of the power of God and his faithfulness to keep us. So we can be thankful. We can be blessed God. We can, um, he says, he's, Jesus is nearer than when we first believed. He says in verse 12, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Well, you think about it. What are the works of darkness in your life that need to go? And, and what are your pet you know, sins or your pet secrets or your pet lies that you're believing? They're lies. They're not part of you. Not, they're not part of the original creation of you. God did not create us with a sprinkling or a spattering or a, uh, you know, a certain percentage of lies. He created us to know the truth, love the truth, respond to the truth. We only got dipped in lies when we fell in, we're, were born into the snake pit, covered with mud, and the, the psychological reconditioning of the enemy began when he tried to obscure your, your divine nature as a human being made in, by the, the supreme being and confuse you into believing that you are, you are a behavior. You're identified by your behavior. So we're, we, yes, we're, we're a being, but we do behavior. We do sins, we do good deeds, bad deeds, we do things. So those, those deeds will accumulate. They don't get you in or out of heaven, but they do accumulate and you will have to give an account for them. So I don't want to be 
in some dubious place where I don't know if this is going to fly or not, or if I'm going to get scolded before the throne of grace and mercy, or I just would prefer to just walk in and be victorious and, and shout and praise and be excited about being there without worrying and dreading that some unknown thing is going to hit me now that I've, you know, didn't take care of matters in the first place. The time, now is high time to wake out of sleep. Please wake up. And if you're awake, touch the one next to you. Say, wake up. It's time to wake up for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. In other words, let the light of God shine inside of you so people will recognize you as different than the darkness. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry, not in drunkenness, not in lasciviousness, not in lewdness, not in perversions, not trying to uh, carry on as usual with the, poor, with the perversions and the secrets. It's, it's not becoming the son or daughter of God, uh, not in licentiousness, not in lewdness, not in strife, not in envy. Sometimes people are, they just want to pick a fight. They just want to have a place to target <clears throat> so they can uh, blast their anger. But he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. In other words, you're not going to try to seek first the, the kingdom of this world or seek first what your flesh wants. Just seek first the kingdom of God, uh, Matthew 6.33, and his righteousness and all of these things, including peace and confidence and being prepared for the return of the Lord, will come to us. And going back, one more interesting little, as Peter himself, bless his heart, was pondering what this might look like in the natural, he said to, um, to Jesus in Matthew 18, 21, it says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. I can only imagine what Jesus thought. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven, you know, Wow, that's 490 right there. Therefore, the kingdom, and, and how often do you have to do that in a, day, in a day or in a week? Or is that for a lifetime? You know, what is that? Therefore, and then he tells them this story. And it's a story about forgiveness. It's a story about a man who was forgiven much. He owed his master. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So this guy was you know, had a credit line going with his master. It was very steep. But as he was not able to pay, this is a lot of money. We're talking millions. His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and that all that he had, that payment might be made. And the servants there, he, the servant fell down before the, him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Okay, he doesn't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it and he's begging for his life. Then the master of the, of the servant was moved with compassion. So he released him and he forgave him his debt. How about that? Just wiped out a million dollars worth of debt just because you asked. How gracious and good is that? This man was greatly blessed to be forgiven like that. But, then, but that servant then went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's probably like a hundred bucks as opposed to a million. And he laid hands on him and took him by his throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have mercy on me and I will pay you all. So he's doing the exact same thing that this man just did in the, to the master. 
and but he would not but went uh, but went and threw this man into prison till he should pay all the debt so when his fellow servants saw what had been done they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done so they went back it got back to the master what this servant that he just had forgiven how he didn't pass on the blessing he took advantage of this other servant he wasn't really nothing had changed in his heart because if it had he would have been been able to forgive his his uh, the one who was indebted to him too then the master after he called him said to him you wicked servant i forgave you all that debt because you begged me should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as i had pity on you isn't that the way it should be if god has forgiven us our sins and given us robes of righteousness and adopted us into his family and grafted us into the vine and given us the surety of life eternal, you know, forgiven us our sins. Shouldn't we also then be gracious and have pity upon those who yet don't know and who need to be forgiven? And he said, then the, so the, um, and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Well, I don't know how you're going to get money when you're at the tortures. I don't know how you're going to gather money. So also my heavenly father will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So when you're holding grudges, when you're being bitter, when you're trying to prepare for the return of Jesus Christ and you got all this ought in your heart, it is not going to work. You need to forgive. That means, again, one more time, it means you release the crime. It doesn't mean you deny the crime. It says there is a crime. You know, you ripped me off. You lied about me to my boss. You stole my husband through witchcraft, whatever. You know, you forgive that person by turning. It means you're releasing them from your judgment. But that doesn't mean they're not going to be judged. They're going to be judged now by the, the judge of all the universe. And so you can trust him that he's going to bring forth justice, that he knows everything. He knows what happened to them, what happened to you. And he will judge with righteous judgment. And then you can come to the court of heaven as a plaintiff and and be released of any kind of demonic accusations that you didn't judge so therefore judge satan's going to judge satan's going to judge you back with the same measure because your measure is the measure of love and kindness and forgiveness and so now as we see the lord approaching soon how what manner of men paul said uh, peter said what manner of men ought we to be as we see the um us going to that place where the earth will melt the elements will melt with fervent heat all of these things are in the Bible. They're happening. They're going to come to pass. It's all good news for those who are ready so and those who have forgiven. So, Father, I pray right now that a spirit of holy contrition and repentance and revelation will come upon your people, that they will truly do what you've called and cried out and advised and warned and admonished us to do, to love one another, to love our neighbor, to forgive, let it go. It's not that it's not worth it. You know, trying to rip your sister off to get the inheritance is not worth going to hell over. Is it? Really? Is is staying mad and staying bitter is, is going to hell, is that gonna is it worth it? No. It's not worth it. Do you want do you don't want to risk what is the most important thing you've ever had, and that is an opportunity for salvation, eternal life. And um you don't want to mo- lose that or risk that with these kinds of foolish gestures and stubborn responses. So, Lord God, again, we ask for grace and mercy to help in time of trouble in Jesus' name. 
And Lord, may uh, we uh, rejoice with great gratitude and thanksgiving as we're not looking at things, what the devil is doing, but we're looking and praising you for what you are doing. You're speaking too. You're speaking through the moon, the stars, uh, the beauty of creation, Father, the flowers. You're speaking. So let us hear you. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. And by the way, check us out at liferecovery.com. You've probably been there. If you haven't, you need to get there. It's great. You've got all kinds of helps and, and things to help people prepare for the coming of the Lord. Um, just, for example, taking the devil to court is a very interesting and powerful foundation Understanding in understanding spiritual warfare. If you don't understand the rules of the game, you won't be able to play it. And the other one that goes along with that is the parad- Paradigm of Spiritual Warfare. It's a CD or it's a download. It's only like 6 or $7 or less probably. And it will truly help you understand the rules of the warfare. So you be blessed. Rejoice. Be thankful. Look up for your salvation draws nigh. And remember, we are watching. We are waiting. We are working. And we are willing to do what God calls us to do so that we will not be have to enter into the wrath of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.